Hello, everyone. Welcome to the 145th episode of the Socially Distanced Podcast, the flagship podcast of thepopbreak.com. My name is Bill Bodkin. I am the editor-in-chief and co-founder of thepopbreak.com, and I am glad to be celebrating year 14 with all you guys, uh, gals and non-binary friends. Uh, and we are on the third part of our Last of Us review series. Now, I just wanted to put a little apology from last week for all our Spotify users. There was a technical error. So if you're looking for the full episode, there is a bit of a glitch on the mobile side of things where you're only going to find like a minute of the episode. If you have Apple Podcasts, go over to Socially Distanced over there. You'll find that episode in full. Give us a, a, you know, a follow, a rate, a review, subscribe, do all that stuff. Helps us get into more ears for more people. Uh, I am joined this week, as I am most weeks, by um, a man who is like the Joel of this podcast because he's like really just kind of feels old. He's tired a lot. Knuckles are probably bleeding. His knees have been shot since he was 14, which is like two weeks ago. Um, the double dad himself, uh, Patrick Mahomes, number one supporter in both football and in the uh, sports betting world. Al Manorino, this is the worst weekend for you because you're the worst sports gambler literally ever. Uh, how much uh, what do you what's the 74 part parlay that's going to break your wife's heart this week? I did just put in like a seven or eight leg. That's not going to hit. Megan uh, but, is just going to be like, just, just do it easy so you can win money. You have two kids. Here, here. Good, good news. Good news. Bad news is good news. This is like the last. It's like the last weekend I'm betting on like football. Football. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I gotten into golf lately. Oh, um, stop it! I have betting I on golf Lucas. is way. I I do too. Um. No, I'm just I'm really excited for the weekend. Uh should be a lot of fun, should be a lot of food. I did not get to enjoy the Super Bowl uh to its fullest extent last year. I got I had food poisoning. That's right. Um, that my 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 it was a like a stomach bug that my not food poisoning, but stomach bug that my uh that was going around. And uh I got it from my kid and patient zero Parker, man. Patient zero. And I um my Super Bowl last year was I was just mainlining uh, saltine crackers and um, a little bit of uh, what's the stuff that uh, helps settle your stomach? Pedialyte. That's, uh, the so last yeah. time I went to a wedding with your wife, she screamed that at me at the after party. Bill, yes. a tricky Pedialyte. I'm like, you're very drunk. I know. Uh, speaking of people who aren't drunk on this podcast, uh, she is the human Star Wars encyclopedia, and we are just a mere matter of weeks before she takes over this podcast for our hybrid Last of Us Mandalorian review series before we go into a full-on Mando series. Amanda Rivas, um, the Cowboys didn't make it. Yeah. Good. I mean, uh, only, good for you guys. <laughs> the only Cowboys fan I sort of, I respect. It's, so it's, it's, I was not, I would have been shocked if we made it shocked. I, I was too. not, I, we made it further than I thought. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Our resident guest, uh, Alicia Weinberger, is not going to be joining us this week. She said she has a migraine. Uh, well, I think she, um, I think she had some funnel cake kisses. If you listen to our first episode, you know what that means. She's a fungus monster. But so joining us is a very special guest making their debut on the Socially Distanced podcast. Uh, 
this person is our reviewer on Pop Break for The Last of Us. Um, also wrote an excellent, excellent piece I recommend everyone check out called Death to Heteronormative, Heteronormativity, Long Live James Bond. It's a fantastic piece. I'm so honored to run that this year. One of my favorite pieces of this year. And uh, you also heard them on the Pop Break Today feed uh, hosting the Marshalls Movies podcast, which is in celebration of uh, a friend of friend of theirs, Sam Niles. Welcome to the podcast. Um, we couldn't ask for a better person. You have a literal Ellie tattoo on your forearm, like not of, of the character, but the same tattoo she she has. Um we're excited to have you on. Welcome to your first ever socially distanced. Uh, I mean, I hope you stick around for the whole episode. It, it, it does get a little weird in here sometimes. Oh, I'm, I'm honored to be here. Thank you for, yeah, no, I've loved my time writing for you guys. I've loved everything. And it's nice to just, you know, be able to just sit and chat. Appreciate it. Awesome. And Sam is much like Alicia. Sam, uh, you have played this game, so we're gonna we're gonna lean into your expertise on the deviations. So, uh, spoiler alerts for people like who haven't played the game before and want to. Um, we're gonna get into it, uh, but before we actually start talking about this episode, Al, we got a pregame. Take it away, pal. Al, as a professional podcaster, you should <laughs> unmute yourself. <laughs> Sorry, I was doing some clicking, uh, trying to <laughs> trying to do some stuff for the wife, and uh, that's why I was on mute. I mean, All it's right. not as good as the, as the World's End podcast. Yeah, that was great. But, yeah, that was rough. Um, was but yeah, so pregame. Uh, obviously, this is a super special pregame because uh, we have the superb owl uh, this weekend. Obviously, I don't want to get sued by... National Football League and saying the other word, the big game. We can say that too. So, um, but before we get into predictions um, and potential trailers that are going to be happening, let's talk about um, our our zaddy. Pedro Pascal was the guest uh, on SNL uh, in an SNL that was made for Al. Pedro Pascal and musical guest Coldplay. That is me in a nutshell. But yes. Um, so obviously Pedro's amazing. We got to see a lot of funny skits. Um, one that I really, really dug. I don't know if you guys watched the whole episode or or did a a deep dive into the the YouTube clips, but he did one about like this uh, fictional wing place, like a wing, like a wing spot or a wing stop or something. Yeah, and uh, that was really, really funny. Um, but that was probably one of my favorite ones. But the one that obviously uh, went super viral, took over the internet was um this last of us slash uh super mario or mario parody of uh basically a live action gritty hbo series or movie uh of super mario starring pedro pascal as mario um if you haven't checked it out go on youtube uh or peacock or wherever you watch snl and check it out it's really really good um it was done in only a few days like a lot of snl stuff you know they write and create all of the content within like the week. Right. So the effects in the video were pretty amazing. I'm kind of want to start there. Just like, what did you guys think of this gritty, you know, parody? Uh, I'll start with Amanda. Oh, it was really well done. The graphics. I was like, wow, I'm, I am here for this. All the detail, like the, the ruined, you know, little, little smashed, like the boxes, the Goomba. It, it just, yeah, it was, it was amazing. 
It was one of the probably one of the funniest things I've seen on SNL in a while. Uh, Bill, um, I know you've been kind of out ish on SNL for a while. I feel now. like every time you host a segment, like Bill, you don't watch this anymore. It's kind Bill, of insane. Bill, you don't have a TV. <laughs> um, no, but Bill, you don't. You really don't watch this anymore. You actually used to do some of the reviewing of this on the site, right? Every once day. in a while, when we used to have a weekly coverage on this uh, on the site of SNL, and I, yeah, I think once they started getting into like the election stuff, and then once the election stuff kind of stopped, I guess it would just sort of yeah. got way too much. And we are in a very odd place right now in in SNL where. Nothing's As you funny. just described it, not not that nothing's funny because obviously this was funny yeah. and this was good, and there have been some pretty decent stuff like uh, Kiki Palmer doing like the uh, the Keenan and Kel reboot, which was really funny too from a, a couple weeks good. ago. But we are in this like weird period of like there was SNL, then this the election, and Trump, and everything took over like so like I would say like like six years. Yeah. Uh, right. Of of SNL in that in that instance. And then now we are in this weird of like Joe Biden's boring as shit. And <laughs> the only thing we can really make fun of is the other cast of characters around in politics. And it's become more like a normal SNL, you know, season. But regardless. Um, what what was it about this, uh, you know, this skit sure. that really stood out for you guys? Uh, for me, it was like this is the first digital short I, in years. I felt that felt like an old school digital short. This felt like an Andy Samberg, Lonely Island type of like that sort of memorable um, Lazy Sunday type thing because it just hit so it like it hit the pop culture vein just so well. The moment they 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 pan over to him in the Mario outfit, I'm like, okay, this is cute. And then when he goes. It's a me, Mario. And I'm like, oh, they're going for it. I'm like, they're going for it. And I feel like SNL does not go for it as much as they used to. It's just very safe. It's like, I guess when they have Mulaney on, sometimes like what they'll do musical numbers, which are funny, but it's just like they have the, the 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 digital shorts have not been great. And this just went for it all. Like they as someone who did a Pac-Man saw parody that went viral, like 15 years ago like i really like appreciated the hustle and the craftsmanship on it everything was done perfectly to a t and they really mocked the hbo stuff like bo and yang coming out and saying my name is my name is yoshi i'm bisexual then it's like my name is toad and i'm bisexual i'm just like yeah that's kind of an hbo thing and i that i found it i found that to be funny and then like when toad just gives up and dies because it's a red shell it's like fuck this everything is just (laughs) so hbo man this is this is just perfect and then when he loads the red shells into the um no, 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 no. That, that was funny, but when he eats the mushroom and he's like, I feel big. Yeah. And I'm just like, that, it, that was like, feels like it was ripped out of a trailer from Succession. You know what I mean? So it was really fun to see them like really put the production value and really put the thought and effort into the writing. Uh, and even so, the, the little reviews too, where it's like, this, yeah, this isn't it. <laughs> yes, I felt like I wrote that review. I'm like, no, this is not it, guys. What what are we doing here? This is this is this is the worst thing you could have come up with. But uh Sam, you're our guest of honor, man. What did you think of this digital short? Is this something like I don't know if you're an SNL a fan or not, or like what what do you got going on? Like I I kind of grew up watching SNL. Like I think when I was like 
12 or 13 specifically like like i watched it for the first time and i kind of fell in love i don't know kind of like a rite of passage to being like a grown-up or whatever like oh i get to watch snl you know very much Uh, so yeah and for my and for like my birthday i also got like the best of will ferrell snl dvd yeah but i haven't been watching it a lot recently um i but when I heard about this, I thought, okay, that sounds pretty clever. And um, and I probably I actually probably wouldn't have watched it for like a I guess like a little while now because uh just I don't know, I just probably wouldn't have put too much fun to watching it. But when I was asked to watch it for this, I thought, okay, I'll give it a go. And I watched it when I was just at work and I thought, oh, but this is actually quite enjoyable. Like I this is actually rather funny. And uh, I was very surprised, like I think. Like, I was already impressed enough by the special effects, but when, you know, you said that it was just, like, done this week, like, that's yeah. that's what really kind of sold me on it. Um, I'll also say, maybe this is an unnecessary dig, but I appreciate that Pedro Pascal put more effort into his, you know, Joel slash Mario voice than Chris Pratt did into his Mario voice. <laughs> yes. No, that is a necessary dig. That is, as someone who will be seeing it opening weekend as a father of a child. Yes. Isn't isn't there like a petition or aren't, isn't didn't somebody start a petition to replace Chris, Chris Pratt? Pratt? Oh yeah, most, the moment the first trailer. Pascal petitions for everything. I know. I feel like I read that somewhere, and I'm like, I, I would be on board with this. I would. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think they're gonna do it. <laughs> they're no. just like the movie's out in two months, guys. We can't do this. Who this isn't Ugly movie? Sonic, although let's talk about Ugly Sonic as the greatest <laughs> thing ever. Um, I was going to say, where do you guys think this ranks? Like, do you think this will like be remembered as a a really, really good SNL short? Like, will this be like a top twenty of the digital shorts? Like, it it's funny with these when you think about like you're talking about a Super Mario movie that's coming out right now. There's all this drama with the voice, The Last of Us, the grittiness. Like, it's very of this time period right now, mm-hmm. and but. I'm still watching the papyrus sketch from like 10 years ago. So like, it really does. It's it, if it's a good skit, it's a good skit. It doesn't matter if it's like dated because it's just done well. Right. So what, I mean, where do you think this will rank in, you know, the kind of SNL digital shorts history? Will this be forgotten or will this be one that people will go back on? I so think, Bill. I think it'll probably be forgotten. And unfortunately, because the reason like so much like like Lazy Sunday and Dick in a Box and all the stuff, really the digital shorts that hit because they're kind of evergreen. Mm-hmm. They don't they're not like the, here's even though this, I just explained that the papyrus one is like one of the most beloved sketches that it's about Avatar. Well, yeah, but like, it, it's the so, first Avatar. But Avatar is also like, you know, face it as also. Sure. Uh, Sam, but Mario. Sam, Sam, Sam wrote the, the review of Avatar 2 Way of Water. You should check that out. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, Avatar is the biggest, one of the biggest movies of all time. So I'd be mean, like. Biggest video, biggest video game I understand, of all time. I, I think, slash, like, also I, one of the biggest video games of all time. I, I just feel like right now, it's just with SNL, the retention point. Like, if we go back to a best of the SN, of the year for SNL, yes, this will be a top one. But with the digital shorts, it should. But I feel like we like this, the the way people remember stuff is just like out of sight, out of mind. Like, this mm-hmm. won't. Like, we hold on to that stuff from back then. I don't know if we hold on to stuff as much now. 
We should, but I just can see it being forgotten. And then someone will unearth it in a couple of years. They'll be like, oh, shit, this thing was great. And forget about it again. Yeah. No. Amanda or Sam? Sorry. I just think what could happen is like, I guess it also depends on like the longevity of The Last of Us like show. I think they're going to, I think like the show in the game, like the game already had its, you know, audience. And I think the show's kind of like, it's kind of a feedback loop, I guess. But well, one thing I was just thinking was if they, you know, they're already going to do a second season for The Last of Us. Yeah. So they could do like a second one of these around the time The Last of Us season two comes out. So that could kind of like, I don't know, keep it going for a bit. That's it, true. That is true. You could have like that kind of similar longevity, I guess. So uh, mate, um, I, I don't necessarily know if it'll be considered like one of the best or anything, but I could see like, I could see it kind of sticking. I could see it having a, you know, deep, solid longevity, I think. Amanda? I agree with Sam in that. I think I could see it as reoccurring skit, but if you're looking at it in terms of history, I mean, again, Lonely Island, they're iconic. Those skits were great. In fact, Brandon made a joke about that the other day and it's just, it's iconic. But the same, and, and it's not, I can't put it in the same league like, our Chippendales, you know, with Chris Farley and Patrick Swayze, one of the best skits of all time. You know, I, I mean, looking at some of the other SNL kind of iconic moments um, and some of the other digital shorts, even in general, it's, I would say this short was good for the modern, for our current time, because it's really relevant and it's well done. And I also feel like the bar is kind of low too because <laughs> the snl product overall hasn't been that great um so i i think it'll be a reoccurring thing and something that people will say yeah this is really funny it was really good and it is a really good short would it stand the test of time though compared to some of the other stuff that came out in the past i would say no it's still good though yeah. but it's not at that caliber all right moving on as i teased a little bit earlier we're going to do our quick Super Bowl predictions, uh, which we could have probably saved for the end of the show, but it's fine. I'll let Bill have this one. Um, I'm going to cut to you. I want two answers. I want you to say, who do you think is going to win? And um, the trailer, movie, television, whatever trailer you want to see the most. I'll go real quick. Uh, I'm a Giants fan. The Eagles had an incredible season, uh, but they are our rivals. As Bill said, I'm a big Patrick Mahomes fan. Uh, I think they are the most fun. The Chiefs are the most fun team to watch in sports, like in general. Like if it's it could be them versus anyone, I'm watching it. It's going to be fun. So um, I'm I'm hoping the Chiefs win. Uh, sorry, uh, Sam and the the people of Philadelphia. Um, but yeah, uh, no, I'm a Giants fan. Get out of here. And then uh, the trailer I want to see the most um, is. It's the only answer. It's it's fast X. Um, oh, it's it's gonna. It does not matter. It's gonna be the greatest thing ever. It's gonna. It's gonna. Is it might this actually, the one where they're in space? I hope so. It might heal the nation. I think this is the thing that's gonna heal us as a nation. Um, is the tenth installment in the Fast and Furious franchise. Now I'm really excited about this. Um, the, outside of Marvel movies. Like these are the things that I have to go see opening weekend with my friends, like drink a bunch of beer beforehand. Like it's such a fun experience. They're 
dumb, mindless movies, but at the same time, they're really well made uh, for the most part. And I'm really excited about it. Um, Bill. Who's winning? I will give Sophie Bodkin's pick. She's rooting for the Chiefs. People on this who's listening to this podcast know every time the Giants won, she is a her teacher's a secondary teacher's a Giants fan. Every time the Giants win, she gets no homework. Well, the Eagles put a kibosh on that, so she is big mad. So she's going for the Giants. Uh trailer wise. Giants. No, sorry. We had to, I, you know what that <laughs> she, did, she did say the Giants at first. Aww. But she's she said the Chiefs. So it's the Chiefs. Yeah. Uh for me. I think the Eagles are going to win the Super Bowl because I we said this on the NFC East group therapy session podcast. They just uh, we said it on draft day. We said it on the pre uh, preseason show. They added so many pieces. Jalen Hurts is the truth. Um, They're the most complete team in football. Yeah, um, I mean, from both sides of the ball, it's the receivers on Kansas City are banged up. You have two shutdown corners. So if they just decide to lock down Travis Kelsey, that is going to be a lot of magic. Patrick Holmes is going to have to make. And then, you know, the Chiefs defense don't sleep on them, but you've they've got so many weapons. Um, so I do think the Eagles are going to win the trailer. I want to see. I don't know if it's going to it's going to happen, but it probably should is. Are we getting a Mission Impossible trailer? Because like this is the perfect I, time to do it. I would believe yeah. I feel like it. I believe so. So um, yes, I actually know 100%. a lot of this information in advance. From I know you do. So good. And I forgot to ask. Honestly, I've been <gasps> so excited about Fast X. I mean, actually, I will say there's a trailer. I don't know if they're doing a Super Bowl spot. But I'm gonna guess they are. Uh, I think it's called. Is it called Strays? The, yeah, the new it's movie with, Jamie, with the Jamie Fox, Will Ferrell. Yeah. That trailer was fucking. I did not see that shit coming. Watch the trailer, guys. I'm not gonna spoil anything, but watch the trailer for a movie called Strays. It's a, like a live action movie with talking dogs. Trust me. I feel it like your looks brain like... has been broken by being having two kids. <laughs> I, it, you have. To, did you watch it? No, but I'll watch it immediately just... after this. You will not expect what's gonna happen. Uh, but. Uh, if if we're not getting that, I will enjoy seeing the Indiana Jones trailer uh, on my TV. That'll be a lot of fun. I saw it when I was in Disney World and I held up a line. <laughs> and people were like, hey, buddy, move. I'm like, there's an Indiana Jones trailer playing right now. Yeah. And they're like, oh, shit, let me go on my phone. Uh, so that is what I'm most looking forward to. That and Wings. Amanda. <sighs> as much as I wanted to be the Chiefs, because I'm a Cowboys fan. And we can't stand the Eagles. I have to say, I think the Eagles are going to win uh, because they're a complete team. I hate it. I don't want it. I really don't. It has a it. bad taste in my mouth right now, especially because, again, I'm a Dallas fan and we don't like Eagles fans, um, except for the, the few people I've allowed. Just like I've been allowed, there are a few people who've been allowed. Um, Amanda's from Texas for people who don't yeah, know. That's why we respect yeah, her. All these why... Northeastern <laughs> Cowboys fans. Kick rocks. I'm a real Texan. I'm a real, I'm a real Cowboys fan. So, you know, real Texan. Um, <laughs> but um, the, the trailer, so I'm going to give little Seth Revis his pick. He is most excited about Transformers, Rise of the Beast. He loves Transformers. So that's his, that's his I pick. forgot that was coming out. Rise yeah, oh, he, he, popped, he stopped in place and just was like, yeah, <gasps> yeah he, melted oh yeah he he bumblebee optimus prime he's here for it um so i of course i'm excited about the marvel you know trailers that come out the marvels um and is that confirmed are we getting a marvel i heard there was only i heard there was only going to be one marvel trailer oh really oh it's it's not secret and it's not secret invasion 
apparently. Oh, damn. Oh, okay. Well, hopefully I get that. <laughs> well, I, get well, I think the, Mar- the Marvels would be great. <laughs> I mean, are I've they, get, are the they going to do Ant-Man because it's the one that's coming out soonest? Uh, I've I heard Guardians as well. Soonest, so, oh, soon? Guardians is the yeah, Guardians yeah. is is one that I've I've heard. Um, okay. But if not, then I'm I'm a nerd at heart. So Dungeons and Dragons, I'm here for D and I'm curious to see how that comes <laughs> together. Um, I I did D and D for a little bit. Uh, do Pathfinder? Oh, you so. are you are right. Uh, the Marvels will be the one that's released. Okay. Nice. I'm excited. Yay! About that. All right, I'm excited. Really excited that's the one I'm excited that. for. Followed by D and D. Like we're so. getting we're getting Kamala Khan back, and we're getting her on the big screen. Like that's awesome. Like yeah. we just I'm stoked for that. Go back and listen to our, our we did a full review series of Miss Marvel, I believe. We did I, one I episode. We did, right? we did, we did one. one. Okay. <laughs> so I can get confused at which ones we did full ones of and which ones we did one episode. Just ask me. I'm the guy who produced all of them. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> so um say so, uh, Sam, what do you uh who do you think's gonna win? I know you said you were a Philly fan. And then uh who uh what, what trailer are you most excited about? I mean, obviously, I want the Eagles to win, and it seems like, you know, a very real possibility. But I will concede. uh, Now, I obviously don't speak for all Eagles fans when I say this, but I don't even know. I don't even know if this is like how we're supposed to feel or even if like my family who are, you know, the good Eagles fans, you know, feel this way. But that we're going up against Andy Reid. That just oh. kind of—I mean—that just really, you know, because I, you know, I've been a casual fan growing up. Like my dad would take me to games every, you know, every now and then. He has season tickets, and you know, the names Andy Reid or like Don McNabb, like those were what I grew up like associating with, like you know, the Eagles and like my dad and stuff. So, it, like, I'm not saying I'm rooting for the Chiefs per se, but it, it, I don't know. It just kind of feels like like some sort of well, you not necessarily. You wouldn't hate it if the Chiefs won. It's like, you know, Darth Vader going up against Obi-Wan kind of a thing. You know what I mean? It's like, that's what it kind of feels like in a way. It's oh, like, man, to love that reference. <laughs> yeah, like that's what it feels like to me. So, you know, obviously rooting for the Eagles, but I will, you know, I'll kind of like tip my hat or whatever if, uh, if the Chiefs win in that regard. Um, I, I will say I know that Eagles fans can be terrible. And like whenever I hear a Cowboys fan say that, I'm like, you're, you're right. But I don't know. I guess they just kind of feel like like other Eagles fans who are, you know, not the best people. We we got a terrible fan base too, to be honest. We're not. I think we're in this very similar boat. Oh, <laughs> there's yes. good Cowboys I, fans, I good Eagles them. fans. There's... I just kind of look at them like a racist uncle. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> well, so look at you guys. <laughs> I mean, one time I actually did get very defensive of Eagles fans because I remember my uncle, my actual uncle, who's not racist. Um, <laughs> Thank actually, you for clarifying that. He's actually friends with Dave Spadaro. And so when Dave Spadaro like spat on like the... Yeah, on like the Cowboys star, it's like there was so much shit over that. It's like, no, he's a great guy. You guys aren't going to talk about my uncle's buddy Dave like that. <laughs> um, oh boy, but I get it. Look, I get it. I, I will say, um, I'll just I'll uh, I'll wrap this up quickly. But one thing I like to point out about when we won the Super Bowl is I I actually worked in a I lived in Philly when the Pope came to Philly. Huh. And I worked at a Starbucks, a Starbucks that actually made nationwide news. Um, but I won't oh. get into that. I wasn't there when that happened, though. But Save I was that there for later. Well, yeah, it was, no kidding. It was the, 
Oh, so it was the two. It was when those two black men were arrested because they wanted to use the bathroom without buying something. Ah, I heard about, uh, yeah. I wonder if that was the one. one like Starbucks. A, yeah, I heard about that in like a group chat before it, like, and like you know when it was like local news, and I thought, oh, this is gonna be big, but. <laughs> But so when the Pope came to Philly, we had all these like big plans, like, oh, we're going to be open like 72 hours. We're going to be so busy. And then we were actually open like two hours, like shorter than we normally were. It was so dead. Yeah. It was cool, like walking around the city, though. It was like you could walk among the streets, like without worrying about cars or whatever. But when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, is it's what we expected the city to be like when the Pope came. Basically. It burned to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when I think of the Pope, I think of riots in the street, people eating yeah. horse shit. Yeah. That's what I. That's what I think. Batteries of. being thrown at Santa. As a, um. as a practicing Catholic, that's my personal opinion. But guys, that was our wait. Real quick, <laughs> we, we never do this. News, breaking news. Oh fuck off! That's you ready? News. Really quick. It's actually it's uh, since we're talking about Super Bowl uh, right now. As we speak, they're doing the NFL honors, and I would just want to share a couple updates with you. Not all of them have been announced, but Eli can... Manning, did he win? For what? Everything. <laughs> Nick Bosa, Defensive Player of the Year. The New York Jets, not one, but two. Both of their star rookies are Rookie of the Year. Nice. Wilson and Sauce Gardner, uh, which I don't know the last time that's ever happened. We're both. Defensive and right. offensive. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, sauce deserved it. Offensive player of the year. Any guesses? Not Saquon Barkley. Uh, Not Saquon. Is it Jefferson? Jefferson? Bingo. Yeah. Alshon Jefferson. Alshon Jefferson. No, no, no. Justin Jefferson. Jefferson. I was like, what? I was like, okay. And honestly, the most important one. Coach of the year. Brian yeah, boy. fucking Dayball. Yeah. <laughs> I've always said this. Literally guys. just for us. A love fat that. coach will always get the job done. See Andy Reid. I don't know what <laughs> players of the year are because um, it's not MVP, but uh, Joe Burrow and um, Josh Jacobs, both uh, won gr- uh, the FedEx Air and Ground Players of the Year. I guess that means... Josh Jacobs, who they, who they, who they, who they, who the Raiders benched uh, at one point. So that breaking, I'll have news. some more updates when Please we find don't. out who wins MVP. Please don't. Uh, let's get to the last of us episode four entitled, please hold to my hand. Uh, this is uh, written by Craig Mazin directed by Jeremy Webb. Uh, of course, this episode finds Joel and Ellie driving from Massachusetts uh, and getting uh, to Wyoming, but getting stopped in Kansas City. Now, Sam put in his review, and in the video game, this was Pittsburgh originally, but they got him to Kansas City a little bit further down uh, across the country. Let's talk about, and this is something that wasn't on our list, but something Sam brought up in like literally the first paragraph of his review, where this episode, thinking about the first three episodes of the series, the emotional stakes we had here, and last week, how much we loved that episode. We literally asked everyone, is this the best episode of television ever? Like, we had that conversation, and then we come to this episode. Was this episode, and I probably should have saved this question for last, but ah, whatever. 
did you feel a letdown from this episode, both from a narrative standpoint and emotionally? Um, Sam, I kind of know your answer, so I'm going to come to you last. Um, Al, do you feel like this was a letdown episode? Because we just had this wonderful romance between two two dads, uh, hooking mustaches, as uh, as Alicia said, um, and uh, our favorite geriatric millennial daddy, uh, Alicia Weinberger, said so eloquently and made me almost pee my pants. Uh, do you think this was a letdown episode or no? No, God, no. It's it's not it's not even like there was no episode that was going to like come after that. Or I'm just talking about even the first three episodes, like taking it. No, I I don't think so, because I mean, this episode, we got some action. We got some more action. We got, um, you know, The Last of Us isn't really about it's it's kind of, you know, same concept of Walking Dead. It's like it's not about really about the zombies. It's about the interactions between the, the humans that remain. Right. So we're getting kind of the first real piece of that in the sense like we we I think was it episode two, we kind of stumbled upon something that had happened right this is the mm-hmm. first time we get to see some like real action taking place since the you know the the first half of episode one right so we get this like battle in the streets it was really cool i thought it was really well done um pretty moving stuff in terms of like what actually happens like throughout the, the plot of the episode but like no in terms of a letdown i, I don't i don't think so i think this was a really solid episode and and, and what did i say last episode i'm like the next episode will set the course for what the rest of the season is going to be about. It did it. It's like what we now, uh, as a Melanie Lazinski, Melanie Linsky, let's respect on that woman's name. Will do. Um, because, uh, does she wins the Alicia Weinberger, uh, tall woman that we must admire award. And great. If you listen to um, our Sandman episode, we have too many awards we and we need yes. to limit it. Nope. So, um, no, but like it's set up, it, it did exactly what it needed to do, right? You went from, um, you know, this beautiful, you know, look back through the years of what has happened during the, uh, you know, I guess the apocalypse or whatever you want to call it. And then you get to this episode. Now, this is pushing the plot forward. It's doing it in a great way. The The last few seconds of the episode were very intriguing and super important, apparently, uh, for people who played the game. So, like, yeah, I, I, I definitely not a letdown. I thought it was a, a really solid episode. And and again, I think it put some gas to the rest of the season moving forward of like, what? All right. What are we doing here? Ironically, gas was a huge part of this episode huge both part. in terms of uh, fuel and jokes. Uh, Sam, um, I mean, I hope I wasn't misrepresenting the lead to your review. Um, so just give us your thoughts, uh, uh, you know, put into words audio words what you said in your review and let us know how you felt about this episode coming off those first three yeah i mean it wasn't like i wouldn't call it let down more of like a, i guess like a tempering of expectations i guess it's like um you know i think each episode kind of had their own little like their own little like punch in some way or at least the first two episodes had their own punch and then the third episode was very much its own distinct thing that I felt was a solid companion piece to the game. Um, But I will say this episode actually, like the more that I think about it, the more, um, you know, when I watched it, I enjoyed it and I was glad to just, okay, we're movies going forward. Okay. Or the show's going, the story's going forward. I'm glad about that. But the more I think about it, the more I think like, okay, 
that episode's having more of an impact on me than I thought. Okay. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say it's like the best episode of the show so far, but I, I don't think ranking like that is necessary per se. I think it's, uh, um, yeah, it's interesting because, uh, I'm trying to think of what I want to say here. Um, yeah, so, sorry, um, I won't ramble on too much. Maybe we're supposed to. Well, say literally, it. this podcast is rambling, so it's perfectly mostly fine. rambling. Yeah, yeah. you're well, fine. Well, so, uh, yeah, it was especially interesting seeing the, uh, I guess, the distinctions in violence when it comes to fighting infected versus fighting people. Um, yeah, like the part, like the part when Ellie uh, shoots the guy, like shoots the like, like goon or whatever. Um, that kind of thing where someone will like beg for their life is something that happens pretty often in the game. Right. But it's, but it's not from someone who's crippled. It's just someone from, from someone who's like disarmed and, and basically you have to shoot them or they're going to shoot you. It's just supposed to briefly make it harder for you to shoot them, but it's never someone who's crippled like this guy was. And that was just, cause that was just brutal. It especially yeah. gets into it especially gets into some of the brutality of the second game where because the second game definitely has a stronger emphasis on like understanding the humanity of the other side um to the point that when you're just kind of like shooting around in the game um like it, it gets comical not comical like it's actually funny but comical like holy shit they just went for that like like if you shoot someone like you could shoot their arm off and then they'll oh. scream like they'll scream like they're in one of jigsaw's traps it's like they're shrieking and this really brought me back to that kind of particular brutality of the second game just like and especially hearing that guy just make those like primal guttural screams for his mom like just wow and like and it was especially interesting seeing how, because, you know, in the game, like when it comes to the gunplay and things like that, you know, the stakes for the other characters, per se, they don't they don't take that too much into account unless like like you're basically shooting and they're kind of like handling stuff on their own. And then eventually you'll hear Ellie say, Joel, help. And then they'll have like a quick health bar and you have to go kill a zombie or whatever sure but so i really like how they're emphasizing on you know when he's like okay i'm like reloading my gun okay when i say go you're gonna crawl over and there's a like they're just doing a, i think a fantastic job of actually like taking greater advantage of the emotional of those kind of emotional stakes of how like it's not just a video game not to dismiss the game but how like there's sort of things that we kind of let slide in a video game but right yeah, yeah. yeah here i guess is what i'm saying yeah, I, I I really agree with a lot of what you said there in regards to the violence because you know we're gonna the Walking Dead comparisons are gonna be there because it's a you know it's like a zombie post apocalyptic extinction level event type show, and the Walking Dead it was just like we're gonna kill people and that was what it was it was like violence for the sake of violence to quote the American Dream Dusty Roads and like it's just like that's what um that's what it was whereas this was when Joel is firing his rifle the gun shots are louder and more concussive and more um, unnerving to hear as opposed to, you know, Die Hard or any other yeah. action movie. It feels like 
because it's also very quiet. There's nothing else happening. So it's re- it's it's rever- you know reverberating everywhere. And it feels more like you're in a war as opposed to here's the action scene now. And of course, like you said, with Ellie, like she shoots the guy. I was just like, oh, she shot him in the ass. So I'm like, no, she probably ended up shooting him in the spine. Yeah. And like, so, which is, I watched it again. I'm like, oh no, that was right in the, right in the spinal column. But for me, in, in regards to the original question of if it's an emotional letdown, I think it, this is the Jackie Brown episode. I always make the comparison of just like, you know, if people don't know Pulp Fiction, cultural phenomenon, next movie Tarantino makes Jackie Brown. Everyone's like, well, what a letdown. And then you go back to it, you're like, oh wait, no, this was actually great. And so I feel like this is that episode. Like we're going to go back to it's it's definitely a table setting in a lot of ways, but it's like we're going to go back to it. And there's so many moments in this that do work emotionally. And this is like the kind of the turning point, especially in our next question we're going to get to about the Joel and Ellie relationship that I think this is where this is where everything starts to change. And Amanda, before I get to that, I definitely want to hear your thoughts on like going from those first three episodes to this one. Um, I'm with Al. I mean, I, I felt like it was still solid. I felt like no matter what, episode three was so good that you almost had to go in with a little bit lower expectations because you can't have two episodes like that back to back. It, it, it would break TV. I think if that actually happened. Um, and, but I felt like the way episode three wrapped up really set the stage for how this episode went. So for me, it wasn't a letdown. It was okay. Like, I now we know how they got the truck. Now we know, you know, how they're getting to this point. So I, I thought everything storyline wise made sense. It flowed. And you still got an emotional journey in this episode. I think if it had been straight action and didn't have the elements like again, like Sam and like you were talking about, that emphasis on the the emotional part of and and Sam, you brought up great points about you know, because I, I played a little bit of The Last of Us. Um, and you made some good comparisons because you get that, you know, that human, you shoot something, you, you shoot something and then it's like the screams or like, like you were describing, whereas if you play something like nerd over here, Star Wars Battlefront, you're shooting other stormtroopers, right? But you think of them as stormtroopers. You're not thinking of them, but there's people there. Grunts. AI. Exactly. AI. Like you don't have that human component. Same thing with Halo. Uh, you know, Call of Duty, you know, Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, it's, it's, but this game and this show really drives home the humanity and the agonizing moments of, you know, the, the consequences of the violence, if you will, like we're seeing that play out from a very human perspective. So I think that element added to this whole episode, you know, it, 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 it still, felt really solid because of that. Now, if I had relied on the guest appearances alone, they did a great job, our guest stars, but that's going to be that they had a harder, I felt like they had harder shoes to fill following Nick. And I forgot his, um, Frank's Murray name. Barlow. Thank Murray you. Barlow. Murray Barlow. <laughs> I was like, it's right there. Um, they had an, an unenviable task. I feel like, but I thought they did a good job too. Let's move into one of the huge emotional parts of the episode. Um, besides, outside of the action, the big thing is we are seeing the development of Ellie and Joel's relationship. Um, we see Ellie kind of coming out of her shell, telling jokes, Joel kind of, you know, getting, you know, vibing with it a little bit begrudgingly. And then, of course, post the shooting, we see 
Joel is very shaken up and he's allowing Ellie to have a gun. How does this change in their relationship where it was just, which it was established not 20 minutes before all that stuff that she is not family. She is cargo to Joel. How do you feel about this start of this change in their relationship? Um, how? Uh, Gino Smith won uh, comeback off. player of the year. Um, so that's the latest update. Uh, yeah, no, I, I have. It's it's listen, it's it's very complex. And I love that the, the way they're kind of exploring this is, you know, Joel doesn't want to get close to Ellie. At all. He lost his he lost his daughter. We, we, we've, we've established that with Sarah. Like, it doesn't seem like he wants to be that close to something, especially someone that so reminds him of his daughter. And, you know, the way that they're doing it is very interesting because, you know, he yeah, he described her as cargo. And the reason that he told her not to have a gun is because, like, he still doesn't trust her to that point. But now, you know, after almost getting killed, uh, her saving him, you know, there's like this kind of mutual respect there now. But at the same time, he's like, it's just me and her. I, I'm th- I might get in this situation again. So I'm going to give her a gun because I trust her enough that she will help me if needed. And I have literally no other choice. Like, I think it's it's both tactical and that he's warming up to her. And, you know, we see that with, you know, with the pun book and things like that. Like, you know, they're it's it's lone wolf and cub and they're they're, they're going to bond like that's going to happen and they're going to get close. And we can already tell that, you know, from not even having to need to play the games, you're just, you know, it's not like they're going to get more distant from each other. They're obviously going to get closer. So, yeah, I think they're doing it in a really, really good, well-paced way. But like, again, audiences expect this. They know there's going to be a relationship there. So it's it's not like they can be friends instantly and they can't just be, you know, he can't just like resent her for the whole season. So there has to be some growth. And, you know, I think we want it sooner rather than later. Let's go to someone who is outstanding in their field. Sam. Tell us about how you feel about this, um, about this turn. And also just how is this, because in your review, you talk about how this deviates a bit from the game, especially in that scene with the gun. Um, so how is this, this, this working for you, especially with this bit of a deviation from their relationship as opposed to the game? Well, so one thing that I really like to look at with the show is I don't like to look at deviations as like, you know, um, desanctifying scripture or something like that instead i i kind of appreciate how different circumstances can bring out different opportunities for different characters and different people and one going back to actually the first episode that i thought was interesting i i think it was the only time that i actually watched the the kind of post episode uh right. discussion between like when you know Druckmann and uh, craig may were talking about it and Druckmann said something very interesting about how, um, about when, uh, about at the end when Joel, like, you know, beats that guy to death. And then Ellie's like watching with like this fascination, like that someone would protect her like that. Um, she kind of has this like kind of smile, like smile on her face. Like she's kind of relishing in that violence too, in a way. And, and, 
And I think that's kind of been an interesting kind of consistent through line for her character. Um, like in the, it was the third episode when she comes across that infected that she stabbed, right? Third episode? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I saw that, I almost wanted to think it was like, it was maybe like partly mercy, but it was also partly like, you know, psychopathic little kid using a, like a, a magnifying glass to burn it. Like yeah. yeah. And then, you know, so like in the game, it's just this, like Joel's actually being drowned in the game and like he's trying to reach for a gun, but he can't, but then Ellie comes up and then she grabs the gun and just shoots the guy in the head. And so here, the fact that Ellie kind of has a choice between like the knife or the gun, it's like, you can kind of see that she's going from like, okay, well, but I've already killed with a knife. It's almost like she's, let's see what happens with a gun kind of a thing. And then when she sees like the consequences of that, she's kind of horrified. And I kind of noticed that, especially thinking back on it when he's like really pissed at her, um, and just kind of how quickly she turns around and like runs and hides. I think that was a really great way of establishing that she is aware of the consequences of not just like, of not just like lying about the gun, not just hiding the gun, but also just that she killed, that she like mortally wounded someone. And she's like actually, you know, unsettled by that. You know, it kind, of, it kind of reminded me of War of the Worlds when Dakota Fanning has to like cover eyes and ears and, you know, Tim, well, you know, Tom Cruise, you know, decimates Tim Robbins. Um, and yeah, I think it's like, I think it's a very interesting, it, it is a deviation, but I think it's opening up new compelling opportunities. Um, and the fact that, you know, the puns are obviously in the show or in the game, but uh, but it is nice to kind of kind of underscore that, like, okay, Ellie, like you know, now you're aware of like the horrors of the world, but now that she's aware of the horrors of the world, now he can laugh at her jokes, kind of a thing. Amanda, what's your thoughts on this? I feel like these moments highlight how similar. They both are because I, I feel like Joel and Ellie put up fronts about being tough. Some of it, and some of it is maybe as a defensive barrier, protective mechanism. And some of it is because of the circumstances, you know, we're still going to find out more about Ellie's past. That's, that's still to come. And I feel like there's a little bit of a darkness there. Um, she's, so she has this ruthless streak because she, a little bit, because you have to, you have to be a little ruthless. You have to, you have to be strong to survive. Um, so both of them have the survival instinct. And so their mir- their behavior mirrors each other a little bit because it's, we're going to be, we're going to be t- a little tough, but then there's these moments of vulnerability. And I feel like when those moments happen, it's more profound and kudos to both actors for making that happen. I think, I think translating that into a, again, to a TV show, taking that aspect and, and building from it, from, and building, being able to elevate that relationship from what we already know is coming. Um, that's, that takes, that takes work. And so kudos to both actors for making that happen. Um, but I, I, I really feel like for me, this is Pedro Pascal coming out of his acting shell more. This is what I was waiting for to see from him. Um, you're getting a very multi-dimensional performance 
you know, because Bella Ramsey has been carrying, has been showing that side, whereas Joel has been very, you know, your cargo, you know, I'm going to keep you distant for good reason. Like Al said, an excellent point about he doesn't want to go through the loss again. You know, it's a traumatic loss when you lose a child. So don't want to do that again. Um, but seeing this very nicely layered, you know, the, the emotions on his face, the fact that he can still be shaken, shaken up really, or shaken up from violence that he's had to commit before and, and to survive it, it was, it, I really feel like it's going to be those similarities and the way that they handle things that can relate to each other. And we're going to see that having that, those similarities and, and, nuances in their performances i think you're really gonna you that bond is gonna deepen because of it and it's a neat way to go about it and i i i'm here for it i liked uh the fact that we're seeing like the the evolve is they're more of a team now because we're seeing joel's age he mentions he's 56 mm-hmm. his knees are shot he got jumped by this kind of scrawny kid uh who took it by surprise um he was shaken up, you know, he really, he was. And so I think, and now you're seeing Ellie, there's a dynamic of power that she's getting because she's younger. She's smaller. She could fit through, through small hole, small holes and walls. She's quicker and she can, and she's, this isn't her first rodeo, which obviously we're going to get a big reveal of that, like who she hurt or who she killed. Um, But I think if you watch the trailer, you can kind of figure that out, but I, we're going to get that. And that's very, very interesting about how this relationship is. It's not just like, all right, kid, I'm going to teach you how to shoot. You know, it's like how we've seen so many times. I'll teach you how to, and like, give me that gun or you're going to blow your head up. Like, it feels like they're more of a team now. And especially with things that are predicted to come, that could be something uh, that they're going to need. Um, one last big picture question. We mentioned this a little bit before talking, uh, going to reference Walking Dead again. Walking Dead became very repetitive and it's just like, here's people like we have zombies. These are bad, but the ultimate bad person, ultimate big bads are humans. And we see here, we've seen with Fedra and now the revolutionaries who are nameless led by Melanie Linsky. Uh, if you don't know who she is, she was in uh, Yellow Jackets and she was on Two and a Half Men. She's been in a billion things. And here, fun fact, she's married to the voice of Dipper from Gravity Falls. So it's, there is, oh, who's Jason Ritter, John Ritter's son. Um, so we often, it's like the people are, people are bad. <laughs> That's what we get. Humanity's, you know, do, you know lust for domination. We've seen it a million times before. Does it work? Or is this kind of just like, oh, here we go. Just another, just another. We've does this just feel tired? Because to me, I think when you put a quality actress like Melanie Linsky, who is a you know, has like been showered with awards and has been in a lot of really well-received roles and well-received in projects, it adds an air of gravitas where it's just another nameless, faceless baddie who our heroes have to kill like this person um and she even said in the interview is someone who had to rise up and lead and now has to resort to violence in order to keep quote unquote the peace of course we know that peace probably is going to be usurped by whatever the fuck is in that basement and i can assume it's not good uh so it doesn't bother me much does uh, sam this like you know 
the original the, the new regime is as bad as new new boss meet the old boss same as new boss same as the old boss type bullshit storyline like does that really matter to you like does do you think it's just tired is it just worn out or does it work here so i'm really glad you asked this question because when i read that it really got me thinking about um just how the game functions i guess because um in the game when you when you get to this section you know pittsburgh now kansas city uh these are just kind of the worst of the like these guys are just like like there's a scene when you kind of see them mow down some people in the street and then they go up to the corpse and they're just like oh they just have some nice shoes whatever just leave their bodies like that's all that matters to them i guess so i'm very curious about i'm curious about if this is going to be like a kind of pure deviation and like we're going to get a just like an explicitly sympathetic side um because there's things about the characters henry and sam that i think are going to be especially compelling but um but sort of going back to the general question about going from human baddie to human baddie uh I will so I will say that there is another human baddie that we haven't met. He's not going to be for a little bit yet, um, and I'm very curious to see what they're going to kind of do with maybe like a juxtaposition because um, uh, the actress name is uh, Melanie Lewinsky, or well, is that her name? Melanie Lewinsky, yes, Lewinsky. Yeah. I think I said Melanie Lewinsky as in Monica. <laughs> um, but, uh, I thought she was interesting because I'm I'm part of some like Last of Us Facebook groups, and some people were kind of saying that, oh, I don't know, she seemed like too, you know, squeaky or whatever. And I think that's I think that kind of makes her character a little more compelling. She's not, I mean, she is kind of like rough and gruff, but she also kind of has that. You know, she kind of embraces, I think, that kind of squeakiness to her voice, I guess. And that kind of makes for a pretty compelling juxtaposition of, I guess, what we'd expect. And, uh, and yeah, I guess, I guess it's really tough to say. Um, because I, I guess The Last of Us series is kind of about that in some way, like you're kind of going from, you know, human baddie to human baddie, but does get a little more i guess i don't want to say nuanced but it does, it gets a little richer than that okay and i'm very curious to see where they're going to go with that richness though i um i will say though uh that thing in the basement all right so i think i mentioned this in like my second review in the game, like what spreads the disease is just like spores. So you, you yes. just gotta put masks on. And you know, in the first episode, when you kind of see the tentacles coming out of the old lady's mouth, you think, like, oh, like I thought it was maybe just like a little simple, like it's the, fu- it's the funnel cake kiss, as we call it. <laughs> oh, okay, yes. And like, uh and then when you kind of start to see them like, you know rolling around i thought that was me in the second episode i thought that was maybe setting up this villain not not a villain but like a boss battle in the second game called the rat king 
which is just kind of a huge bunch. fan of them from Ninja Turtles. <laughs> kind of like a bunch of infected, just kind of like, you know, morphing together as one kind of, and it's so intense and creepy. Uh, I can tell you, I have no fucking idea <laughs> what is in that basement. I don't have a fucking clue what Lovecraftian <laughs> monstrosity is down there. I am scared shitless by whatever it is. Like, it's bigger than the Rat King. Whatever it is, I can fucking tell you that. That's amazing. And, uh, so I'm very curious to see how that's going to uh, relate to uh, to these new human characters. Like, to see how, you know, if they're just going to kind of keep, oh, don't we don't have to worry about the big fucking thing in the basement. Um, <laughs> you always do. Yeah, always. Exactly. Yeah. Um, just, yeah. If I just remembered like a fun little bit of trivia, uh, the guy that sort of took it to the basement, he actually, that actor, he actually plays Tommy in the video. Oh, I wasn't sure. But yeah. Well, I think, I, think I have no idea who Tommy is. So I'm just like, oh, all right. That's cool. It's his uh, brother. Oh, his brother. brother. Oh, you yeah. Yeah. Well, he's, you know, he, he's out in Wyoming. I forget about people who live out west sometimes. Um, ow. Uh, same to you. The question of people are bad. We've seen this a million times. Does it work here, or is it just like, all right, this is just the storyline we get to scatter? We're just. Listen, I think the reason why it will work here and why it kind of felt repetitive with The Walking Dead was like they. <laughs> they it, are you going to give me? It's not TV. It's HBO. <laughs> it's not TV. It's HBO. HBO. No, so. Just like Game of Thrones, right? Game of Thrones towards the end, diminishing returns. Walking Dead towards the end, middle to end, diminishing returns. Beginning. Here, here's the difference, and and why it's completely different from The Last of Us is, The Last of Us is a complete story. They're adapting a story that was done in two games, DLC, and is done. It's finished. Yep. There is a beginning, middle, and end. Walking Dead and Game of Thrones, at some point had to create new things. They had to write uh, new things. Yeah. And they got very repetitive because they're like, oh, you know what worked? People really like the governor stuff. Let's just make a new governor. Let's do very or true. let's 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 bring in this and that. And like, yes, they adapted a lot of stuff from the comics, but they were stretching stuff out to a point where like, man, this is a long time we're dealing with this. Um, and then Game of Thrones is like, we need to come up with an ending because we don't have one to to make, right? So I think with this, like, we're going to get a very strong character out of this because this is a beloved part of the games, right? And um, I, I, I honestly don't know if there's things from the game storyline and, and Sam, you could... I'll probably jump in here is there like anything that happens in the game that like we won't see because it's like fans don't care about it or are not needed to the, the structure of the thing but like if this is a main character if this is an important part of the story then i'm all for it i'm not gonna say that's like it's um it's not you know it's repetitive it's not needed we've seen it before I haven't seen the last of us version of it and that's why I'm excited. So it's like, I, I I'm going to be very optimistic for every aspect of this because of how well, you know, reviewed and how beloved this franchise is. It has to be for a reason, right? It has to be because of this incredible storyline that I've been hearing about for like a decade. 
And yeah, I think that's why it's going to be, uh, you know, it's it, there's no fatigue for me. I, I want to see what, you know, she's going to bring to the role, what she can do with this kind of like trope at this point. I'm excited. I'll let Amanda go, but I do have something that uh, I was just thinking about. Um, Absolutely. Amanda. Um, so I think there's a fine line because I know at some points it was kind of feeling like, okay, these, the baddies aren't as captivating until you get to Melanie and Jeffrey Pierce's performances. I feel like those casting choices and those acting, those nuanced choices that they both are making are what keeps this from being kind of the typical. There's, if you don't have the compelling characters, this, the trope is going to be in full-blown effect. Because um, we've seen it before. The tanks, the shootings, the, you know, we're kind of desensitized to it, if you will. Sad, sad to say, but... Um, but I mean, you know, Melanie's acting choices again from, you know, her voice, her tone, she's somebody you don't expect to be a leader. And that makes her more captivating, especially a woman that's, you think like she's a little soft-spoken, she's squeaky clean. She doesn't look like she's grimy. Like, you know, Tess, Tess had that hard edge to her. Yes. I could see Tess leading a band of revolutionaries, you know, um, you know, just that, that edge, that, that jaded and it's not that Kathleen doesn't have that edge. She does. It just manifests in a different way. And she so it's, does it's, cap a guy in she the does, head. She does. There's that ruthless. You have to be ruthless to lead. But she she doesn't come across that way. And that's what makes her character so intriguing. And then with Jeffrey Pierce, his character, from what I understand, is completely new. And everybody in the game knows him as Tommy. And, you know, he's very, I think, a, a, from what I remember, a little bit more sensitive and you know kind of the, the Tommy that we see at the beginning of the show where he's you know caring and concerned and whatnot you you got all of that from Jeffrey Pierce and he's so he's completely different we don't know what his character is going to be but he's very dynamic right off the bat just caught your eye immediately before she even talked to him um so I think having these these um strong characters is going to keep this from falling you know, and the intriguing acting choices they're making and the, the you know, and the, the, what the writers have done um, is going to keep this from being kind of the, okay, yeah, there's more baddies. Okay, cool. It's, it's these, these, these choices that keep this intriguing. Yeah, Melanie Linsky, a lot of people on Twitter actually went at her saying, you know, she doesn't, you know, about why was she chosen for this? You don't look like you should be in a role. I believe uh, an American, uh, Lind- Agent Curry from America's Top oh, Model. Gosh, was yeah. And also, like, she was almost engaged to, like, one of the Brady Bunch. So that's, she's top shelf critic there. She was like, <laughs> oh, you don't look physically to part. Where's Linda Hamilton? And she's like, that's why the part's interesting, because she looks like an everyday person. It's not a woman warrior, and but she is one. You know, she doesn't look like Linda Hamilton, but she has to make all the same decisions. Oh, it shows that things. women women warriors come in different packages. Exactly. Sam, you had some stuff you wanted to add. I just want to make sure Amanda got her stuff in. What do you what do you got for us? So one thing that I, I kind of idly passed her over, but I realized it's actually pretty essential. And I think it's really gonna feed into how it distinguishes itself from the Walking Dead, where it's just like, okay, all right, new baddies, new baddies, new baddies, new baddies. Um, Henry and Sam will play a pivotal part of the overarching story. And 
what I real and really thinking back on it, this episode did a pretty brilliant job of like, because when you come across Henry and Sam in the game, you just kind of come across them. Right. Okay. It's like, like you're just trying to survive. And then it's like, you just happen to like bump into each other and they do serve a very specific emotional purpose. And I think the, and I think in setting them up the way that they did, like talking about Henry um, as if he's this big sort of like, you know, if they're the revolutionaries, then, you know, they're the anti-revolutionaries or whatever. Um, I think uh, from a thematic standpoint, um, I think the way that they're handling Henry and Sam right now, like the way that they're talking about them, right. um, it's really going to feed into this overarching theme of like, just, you know, what kind of world are you fighting for? I guess it's, um, uh, yeah, it's kind, of, it's kind of, that might be kind of vague to say. No, I, I, you know what? I agree with you because it's like, when you hear about Henry, it's just like, when she's interrogating the doctor, you think Henry is this guy who's like all her dudes, who's all geared up and got weapons and he's going to, you know, he killed someone or he did something so wrong. And then when you see them, they're kids or at least one of them is a kid. And one of them, maybe you can extrapolate that that kid is an older teenager in their early 20s. This is not a hardened, you know, Navy SEAL looking son of a bitch who's going to lead a counter revolution. These are kids and they're willing to execute. She executes a doctor because he won't give these two kids up. So I think you're right about what type of world are we fighting for when we're ready to suspend all sorts of civility to find these two kids. Yeah. And it's interesting hearing you refer to them as kids because Oh, one of them's definitely a kid. Right? Well, yeah, no, yeah. Uh, Sam is a kid. He's a kid. And in fact, uh, he's he wasn't deaf in the game, but he will be deaf in the show, apparently. So I'm That's curious. right. That's right. Yeah. Um, um I think I, I guess if I had to describe in the game, it's like, yeah, Henry's definitely younger than Joel, but there is kind of that sort of like proportional equality, right? Oh, like, because okay. Henry, like Henry and Sam are they're brothers. I, I that's not a spoiler to say that, right? That's no. okay. Um and like, you know, Henry's been looking after Sam and like so so like, yeah, well, Joel's older than Henry. The fact of the matter is, is that when it comes to like Henry and Sam and Joel and Ellie, Henry and Joel, you got Henry and Joel and Sam and Ellie, basically. Um, and like I said, I'm very curious to see where they're going to go with um, with how they handle that. But yeah, but I'm I'm actually I'm really happy to I'm just talk about this. I'm really happy to be on this podcast because hearing all these um sort of outsider perspectives who don't know or who don't necessarily know what's coming i mean i don't really know what's coming but like who who are just kind of experiencing this story for the first time is hearing all these expectations like, oh wait no like it's helping me fill in the blanks for the impact that the show is having it's kind of like when we do star wars stuff and amanda's like i know every minute character ever and Alan and I are like oh that was cool uh we're like mm, all right well guys it's award time 
Uh, we usually we do last week we did a test on fire award which is you know a very on the nose like what was the most tragic part i want to keep it a little light for this one let's just go with uh um outstanding in their field this week that's this this week's award for what was the best pun let's make this quick the best pun for me it was listen i like of a good poop joke so the diarrhea in the jeans joke at the end was just the perfect moment here it fully breaks joel and it, we it, it sets us on this and then also juxtaposes nicely of the ending of there's a gun on your face i think that really worked well so amanda what was your favorite what was your favorite pun what was outstanding in the field for you. Yeah, I'm a big pun person. I think those, they were all great. Um, I, I liked Joel shooting back at Ellie with the, the scarecrow one where it's, you know, why did the scarecrow get an award? Cause he was outstanding in his that field. I just, I loved that. It just made that so much better. I already was cracking up at the pun cause it's just, it's, it's easy and it's fun. Um, but just having Joel just jump in on that, that made it better for me. So I'm here for it. Al, what is your, what was your, uh, what was the perfect pun in this episode for you? You must <laughs> be a professional, my friend. <laughs> ah, sorry. I ran to the bathroom. I didn't want to, uh, didn't want to well, yeah, there, there was a diarrhea. Was that time. was exactly what the pun well, I was going to say. It was the diarrhea one. There the diarrhea one was great. Uh, yeah, no, I just, I thought that was a nice addition to, the storyline, I, I I love that whole concept of like she's just like trying to pass the time, man. Like it's doing great. Yeah, the diarrhea one was fun. And Sam closes out on this segment. Uh, what was the best pun for you? I think I'm gonna have to agree with outstanding his deal, if only for the way that Joel uh shot. Oh, he he felt so justified in that. He he felt he was the really smartest guy in the room on that one. I loved it. If I may. I yes. just I, I don't know when when it'd be appropriate for me to say this, but I just remembered I have a I have a joke that's kind of a punny joke that I'm pretty proud of. It's movie related and football related. I mean, there's no time like the present. Yeah. Okay. All right. So format is already like okay. it's well, just before, a suggestion, okay. more like thing guidelines. Okay. Uh, before uh, have you uh, have you guys heard about the movie Nolan's doing after Oppenheimer? Uh, I'm gonna leave something up to Al. No, I don't know any. I don't know, and I like Nolan. So it's gonna be it's gonna be his first sports movie. You got uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. He's reuniting with DiCaprio and McConaughey. They're both uh, oh the okay, and they have to and they have to. And the thing with both of them though is that each of them has to win the Super Bowl to get back to their family. Like if whoever loses the Super Bowl doesn't get to go back to their family. You guys haven't heard about this? No. I heard there was a movie with them coming out, but I didn't know what the plot was. You sure? Interception. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> yeah. well played. oh my, oh my gosh i was I, I was just that you fuck it i i don't i don't know if we should even keep this episode going after that wow <laughs> oh my wrap god it let's wrap, wrap it up, up. <laughs> All right, turn turn off the lights. The party's over, kids. Uh, let's get into the Golden Clicker Award, which is you know our our acting award. Who gave the best performance in this episode? Uh, I'm going to go in reverse order. <laughs> Interception, Sam. Uh, who who gives the best performance in this episode? Uh, I mean, they're all fucking. Yes. Like, um, I mean, 
you know, I could give shout outs to, you know, obviously Pedro and Bella, because, but, you know, just because, I mean, this guy's not going to show up again. I'm going to go with the guy that was screaming for his mom. It's like that shook me to my core, you know, like two minutes of screen time and he just haunted you. So I'm, I'll, I'm, I would like to see the other two maybe, but they'll have more times to shine. So I'll go with him. It's a great pick. I mean, he did go home at some point. Um, Al, you are unmuted. Good start. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, a little unorthodox one. I thought uh, the car did a great job <laughs> crashing into the building. Oh. No, uh, I'm surprised um, you didn't give it to the magazine. No, um, <laughs> Melanie Linsky. I say it right this time. Yes, you did. Yay! Uh, I thought she was great in this. I thought I thought. Um, it was a pretty complex character that she's playing because she's obviously like a normal human person, but has to kind of step up into this leadership role. So it's like it's not the governor. It's it's more of a like a reluctant like leader. But at the same time, you know how she got there and she doesn't give a fuck. And I love that. I love that. I don't know if we even got to talk about this part, but like. When she discovers that what Joel had done to the the, the two uh, people that he got into the firefight with. Um, they're like, can we save this person? They're like, I don't know. She's like, what if I have a doctor? And they're like, no. She's like, oh, good. Now I can go kill that fucking doctor. That's awesome. <laughs> like, that was fucking like, she's smart. Like, it's like, I could keep this guy prisoner and make him help me and further my agenda. He's already turned on me. Fuck him. And now when she realized like, oh, we don't need him. Okay, boom. Killed. Like, that's cool. I think she did a great job. Amanda, who gets the golden clicker? Oh man, um, it's tough all the way around. But I, I'm Melanie did an outstanding job. I just, I just felt like for me, it's gonna be, it's gonna be my man, my zaddy, because he gave me a little bit more of what I needed. <laughs> I think just, I finally, I feel like I got a a more nuanced performance from him, and it was nice to see that because the the guest stars at this point, and of course Bella, I feel like they've outshone him a little bit. He still did a great job, but he had to be tough and behind this wall, you know, for a good bit of time. And so it's nice to see him let that down and he's doing it beautifully. So giving it to my zaddy. Um, I will have to go with uh, one of my one of my Hollywood crushes, Melanie Linsky. Um, I will have to give it to her. She's great. Uh, I think she took a role that could have uh, my phrase, the pays in lesser hands. This role, this role could have been really two dimensional. Uh, She made it something really, really interesting. Like Al Al actually said it perfectly of everything that she did. And uh, I think she, I love that scene where she's like, we're going to have to close the door because we'll deal with this later because you know, that's going to come back to haunt her. And I'm so excited to see what happens in episode two with her. Uh, which brings us into our quick tinfoil hat segment where we come up with theories for the future of the ep- the series based on this episode. And that to me is Melanie Linsky going to die. Uh, she ain't making it out of Kansas, man, because whatever that big son of a bitch that's coming out of the, the ground, you know, she's she's going to she's going to eat it. And I think she does it uh, heroically. I don't think she's going to get the bad guy. Oh, look, she got eaten. Yay. It's going to be she's going to do something sacrificing herself for the people because 
at the end of the day, she's revolutionary because she wanted what was best for her people. Uh, Amanda, tinfoil, let's get that Reynolds wrap out. What do you got? Oh, um, man, I I feel like something's going to be up with Perry. I, I really do. Um, they're honing in on him for a reason. And brand new character. I could see him facilitating Melanie's fall <laughs> somehow. Okay. Um, or outing, you know, that there is something in the basement. He's going to cause, get her into some kind of trouble. That's just my gut. And then that's why I feel like the sacrifice is going to come in. Um, you know, I, I feel like he's going to facilitate the downfall of their particular faction somehow or have a role in it. And I feel like we're going to get one step closer as well to Ellie and the mystery of what happened to her friend at the mall. Al, um, I know you always have tinfoil handy. What do you got? Yeah, uh, my tinfoil hat. Is, my tinfoil hat theory is: I think history, the truck is Mephisto, right? History is is going to be made. Some would say it was made already because Patrick Mahomes just became MVP of the. No, he actually just <laughs> he did just win uh, MVP. No, uh, tinfoil hat. I don't know. I that's the thing is like I have no unlike everything else that we've consumed on this show. I don't know anything about this show at all. I can make, you know, I can make predictions. Right. And that's what this is like, you know, but four episodes in, I still don't know the end game. I don't know how this ends. Right. Okay. So let me, let me stop you there. Do you like that? Yeah. I don't get this enough, man. Like I really don't like, there aren't a lot of shows out there where I'm like constantly guessing i really i probably haven't felt this way in a long long time maybe loki wandavision yeah we definitely had yeah wandavision and loki yeah so but but the last time was loki because that was more recent uh but yeah that's the i i honestly like that i really do love that i love that that's we invented the tinfoil hat theory segment because of wandavision because we literally had no idea every single episode what the hell is going to happen and i really don't know what's going to happen it's it's great it's not tv it's hbo they're really like crushing it <laughs> i love it i love it every fucking episode just one of us gets it done uh sam okay you know way more than we do so any uh, uh so I, I want you just to take it i want to get that dome all wrapped up what do we got I think the best thing that I can say is knowing how the first game ends um, and I really knowing what's going into the second game. Um, because I, I, I love the first game, you know, I do, but it's really the second game that like really cemented this is one of like my favorite stories in fiction, really. It's yeah. going to break hearts. Um, I mean, you got a tattoo because of that game. So, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Just going back to the monster in the basement, it's like. If they end this show the way that they ended the game with, you know, if they end the first season the way that they ended the first game, which I'm almost certain they will. I know that it's going to man that ending is going to manage to hit even harder because of the monster in the basement. 
and oh, that boy. makes me so fun. and that just like so it's this kind of fascinating like combination of knowing what's ahead like knowing the general emotion but not knowing just how hard it's going to hit because of the monster in the basement and i'll leave it at that Oh, God. God damn it, son. Uh, all right, Al, it is time for your wacky, waving, inflatable rating segment where you have to come up with some ludicrous metric for us to rate the episode on. For people who don't know, we've done it on, you know, Wookiees ripping off arms. We've done severed heads. Um, it's been it's been a blast. Bodies falling out of planes, I want to say. Yeah, we've done it. We've done we've run the gambit. And I'm going to write it out because this one might be. By the way, it's the say. gambit, not the gambit. The gambit, a, the gambit, the 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 French. He's not from New Orleans. This is not a New French. Orleans X-Men. This is my favorite X-Men. <laughs> he French. is. I meant the cartoon was the best. Wait, isn't he from New Orleans? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, and he's okay. French. And he's French. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the, pick the fucking thing. Raging Cajun. <laughs> um, all right, wait. Great restaurant. Yes. <laughs> Okay, we are going to rate this episode on zero to ten stuck together porn magazine pages. <laughs> <laughs> Wish. Oh, God. And the foul. Uh, fuck off. Uh, I'll go first. This guy got upset because if I don't, I'm just going to lose my shit. Uh, I'm going to give this eight. Um, it's the lowest of the four, but it. It's it was a it's a setup episode in a lot of ways. I think it was it was thrilling. It really uh, is evolving our relationships between our leads. Um, it is we got Melanie Linsky giving a great performance. We've got this thing in the basement, which is scaring the shit out of Sam. He might not sleep tonight or for the rest of the week. Actually, by the time we finish this podcast, the new episode will be up. Um, and like we've set us, it set us up for like so many great adventures that's going to happen in not just the theme park in New Jersey. Like we are ready for so much more. Very excited. But, you know, after last, you know, it doesn't have the same like wallop that the, you know, the first three had. But that's not a bad thing. Um, so, Amanda, um, so I'm giving it eight, um, uh, eight pages in that magazine are stuck together for me. I'm dead right now. Uh, <laughs> I still. Amanda's also no one's acknowledged. Amanda's wearing glasses on this podcast. She's never worn glasses ever. Yeah, uh, my backup ones finally showed up, so I feel very smart. Um, uh, so I'm gonna rate this an eight and a half stuck porn magazine pages. I just can't. The one um, at the corner. It's just right. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I agree that this didn't have the emotional impact that, you know, the last episode, it was going to be hard no matter what, um, because the last episode was so good. Uh, but it still did a great job, you know, further, it furthered the story. It's set up. It's a good, like you said, a, a good setup episode and the performances were solid. So, I mean, that I I was Sam that poor dude and the the first like cry for his mom I just oof, oof oof that guy that guy and just even his look too like he didn't look fierce or he didn't look it's those it's he looked like somebody's kid and that was just yeah um but it's those moments and those those choices that made this episode so good the just really the emphasis on the humanity or the the human consequences of of yes. the of the violence um so i thought that was brilliantly done but yeah it it 
it's going to be, again, it feels like it's one of those episodes we're starting to build. And I feel like it's the next episode is going to be even better. It's going to come with a punch. So eight and a half stuck porn pages. How, how many pages are stuck in your magazine right now? Uh, I think, I think you guys are like right on the money. I think this is like an eight or nine. This is definitely a setup episode, right? This is, you know, a bit, you know, obviously things happened in it and a lot of great stuff and great acting performances and all that kind of stuff. But this is like, you know, we are now in this new area with a bad guy and a, uh, under, a monster at the a monster at the end of the book. Yeah. Monster at the end of the book. An underground monster at the end of the book. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's great television. Like just really solid, solid, captivating stuff each week. You went from perhaps one of the best episodes of the decade of television. I'm gonna keep giving this thing accolades. It is one of the best television episodes I've seen ever. Uh, but I think it will go down as one of the best of the decade, especially for like, you know, prestige TV like this. You go from that to a really solid episode that introduces uh, a whole cast of new characters um, and gets the plot going, gets it moving. Like the only reason that I'm not going to give it a higher grade is just like, you know, it's a little it's a little on the slow side at times. It's it's you know, it, you get that with the kind of like you know apocalypse the road kind of storytelling is like mm-hmm. you know they have to get from a to b so there is like these kind of quiet great but quiet and kind of slow moments so that's the only reason i'm going to go lower um definitely not like a downgrade from last week but like it's nothing was going to live up to that unless you just gave us that again so eight and a half it's our esteemed oh, guest safe number sam Close us out for the podcast. Uh, your uh, one to ten porn uh, magazine pages stuck together on this episode. I'm going to go with a solid nine porn pages stuck together. Uh, just, just thinking like, yeah. The more I think about it, it's like thinking about where they could be going with this. The way they set up all these very unique opportunities. It's, you know, it definitely felt like a little filler when I first watched it. But thinking about it more, I think just the possibilities that it sets up are pretty solid. Like it's definitely lower for the show so far, I'd say, but it's still pretty great. And I think, I think I'll also close out with this though. Uh, just to, cause you guys seemed really pumped when I talked about what, the, what that monster in the basement could mean. Um, so just think about like the controversy, just think about the controversy uh, and forgive me if I am going on for too long. Um, but like, just think about the controversy that surrounded Star Wars: The Last Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we know. So, I want you to imagine season two is going to be that times infinity, essentially. Seasons, well, maybe not times infinity, but seasons two. And if they play their cards right, I think the second game should be two seasons so seasons two that's right i've heard that yeah you have no idea what's coming and i think this episode is a good sign of things to come i guess is what i'll say i mean i like to i think i think everyone on here liked the last jedi so i think we're okay yeah but we know how riled people got about the movie so that's why i made it 
but yeah 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 all right guys that concludes our episode four review of the last of us uh now what we're going to do is we're just going to take it home we're going to tell people where they can find us on social media and just give us a quick pop culture recommendation since i'm usually the longest i'll go first i am at bodkin writes on twitter you don't really if you want to follow me cool it's mostly random wrestling references retweeting stuff about brian dayball and stuff from the like I said at the top of the show, 14 years this year. Thank you, everyone who has read the site, who's contributed to this site, who's listened to a podcast. It means the world to me. Um, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Pop Break. Uh, my pop culture recommendation will be what I my most recent article on the Pop Break, and that is my review of Poker Face, the new Peacock series starring Natasha Leone, written and partially directed by The Last Jedi's Ryan Johnson. Um, we're all in love with this show. This is the talk of the town. The poker face should not be slept on. This is an incredible show. Um, Natasha Leone is phenomenal in this. It is so smartly written, so smartly directed. It's a case of the week caper with an overarching story. It's so engaging and fun. And it is a throwback to Columbo, but done in a way that only Ryan Johnson can do it. If you love Knives Out, if you love Brick or any of the other Ryan John stuff, you have to be watching the show. It is absolutely phenomenal. Um, also, my other plugs: check out Bill versus the MCU. We're on season two. Uh, we're talking. We talked about Daredevil. Our next episode, which drops on Valentine's Day, is about Jessica Jones. Find out on the Pop Break T uh, Pop Break Today feed. I also do Anchored in Asbury. Uh, it's my music interview podcast. Got a couple episodes on there on Pop Break Today as well. Amanda. Where could people find you and all your stuff about nerdiness and Star Wars? Uh, I'm primarily active on Instagram at a Mandalorian, uh, where I basically live all the nerd things. Like today, I posted my new Thunder WCW Thunder T-shirt. I'm a nerd. I love it. Um, so, but am I? pop culture recommendation is a big one it is a star wars related one uh two episodes of the bad batch dropped this week and they are key episodes dave filoni answers one of the key questions uh that addresses the transition from the clone army to of course the imperial stormtrooper it was a really really good set of episodes very moving i cried at the end of the last one Dave has done it again, and I feel like it's going to be important because we may see who knows what we're going to see in Mando and who knows what we're going to see in Ahsoka. And Filoni, we trust, man. Al, tell us people, tell people where they can find your concert photos from the days of your and uh, where uh, where you could uh, what your pop culture recommendation is. Jesus, it truly people. feels like the days of your. I it haven't is, shot a brother. show in forever. Um, yeah, you can find me at Al Manorino on Twitter. And Instagram, Twitter for nonsense, Instagram for photos occasionally. And then uh, pop culture recommendation. Um, you may have seen me tweet about this if you follow me on the Twitter. Um, if you don't, whatever. But uh, Reboot on Hulu. I finally finished season one. Great show. Got canceled. Not coming back. Not getting picked up by another network. It's so sad because it's such a good show uh, from the creator of Modern Family. has one of the uh, best, most like obscure casts you can imagine. And it's fantastic. Well-written, um, great show. Um, it's um, 
if for anyone who doesn't know the concept, but it is um, a show about a like 90s uh like classic sitcom like a step-by-step or a full house um that gets the reboot treatment and it is uh again very sharp uh very inside baseball i can see why it may have gotten canceled in terms of like how niche it is but at the same time very funny uh and deserved to definitely live on so uh check out reboot on the hulu and sam Thank you so much for joining us uh, this week, especially on short notice. Of course, you could follow Sam on Pop Break. He's got great stuff on The Last of Us every single week. We're so ha- we're so honored to have you on this week, and thank you for making your debut on the podcast. Tell us where people could find you on social media if you want them to find you, and uh, you know, pop culture recommendation for the week. Uh, I have a few different Instagram accounts. One's my general one that is uh, Harv28491. Little double Christopher Nolan reference there. Um, and I also have a blog, uh, Devil's Advocritic, that's on WordPress, but I also have an Instagram for that. Um, I haven't written too much for that blog in a while, but I am actually finally working on some video essays that I've been meaning to work on for a while. Uh, I don't have the proper youtube channel up for that yet but i but i will share them to both instagrams um and if you like cute dogs i also i work at lowe's so i recently started an instagram account called dogs of lowe's montgomeryville so and my pop culture recommendation uh I mean, I'm going to love with you. I did just see Avatar 2 for the seventh time. uh, Seventh time. You are responsible for that being a top 10 of all time. I saw Tenet 10 times in theaters, dude. You don't, you have no idea what I'm capable of. I did. I did love Tenet, so. Um, But I'm going to go with a knock at the cabin. That's, uh, I thought that was a delightful, horrifying, and just, genuinely moving little like fantastic little movie um dave batista i thought killed it he and i love and i think and i did a great job of sort of using his dave batista's kind of framed to kind of complement the apparent timidity of his character um he walks through a pit of danger only yes. amanda will get that yes well, uh, <laughs> well listen. all right guys that is it for this week's episode we will be back next week uh, i'm sure we'll mention the super bowl uh or whatever that game is called and we will uh, talk about all stuff coming up don't forget we have mando on the horizon quanta mania might be its own special presentation we'll see but until then survive thrive and whatever the fuck else they say on this show but we'll see you next week 